0: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. This week has been really cool. Uh, I've really had a good time uh, FaceTiming with a lot of people, uh, phone calls. Um, A lot of you guys are flying in from different parts of the country for me to do uh, neuropsych eval on you or family members so um, it's, it's a very humbling experience and, and I'm, I'm uh, again grateful for this opportunity to impart whatever knowledge um, I can from the perspective of my educational background and training and professional clinical experience so borderline personality has been an incredibly popular topic and we will revisit it but today we're going to talk about anxiety it comes to us all no one is immune to the consequences the ideations the physical sensations of something that is very nebulous and I've repeatedly said that mental health really doesn't have a face sometimes anxiety does because people can look terrified now from a diagnostic perspective we have generalized anxiety disorder we have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder which is different than obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, and that'll be for a different topic, uh, different session. Um, we have panic disorder. We have agoraphobia. But the key in understanding anxiety and in and, and treating anxiety is being able from a, a treatment perspective. Now, again, doing diagnostics, I could come up with whether somebody has an anxiety disorder or whether they don't, and you'll see it with, uh, as I've said before, depression, anxiety are called the common colds of of mental health, mental illness, and they generally go hand in hand. the The important part in treating any type of anxiety disorder is to break the anxiety down into a more specific component someone will say oh, i'm anxious okay i get that but anxious about what some people are anxious about being anxious that's called anticipatory anxiety and then you can even get into things such as the phobias and you know we have the most common phobia as a matter of fact is uh, fear of snakes just as an aside but a lot of people um I know Julie deals with this and a lot of my colleagues who prescribe medications is there's an over-reliance on benzodiazepines and and medication. Uh, Even, you know, people are looking for the magic pill. But just like with you get into like ADHD, Adderall Concerta is going to help anybody concentrate but it doesn't teach you the skills so ativan xanax clonopin clonidine buspar yeah they'll, they'll help take away the anxiety or the panic of the moment but it doesn't from a therapeutic perspective get to the root of the anxiety and is anxiety treatable absolutely in part, you know, there's different, again, I come from a very cognitive behavioral perspective, and the technique is, is you really kind of start with, is called vertical descent, is being able to take this generalized category of I'm anxious and breaking it down layer by layer, almost as if you're peeling an onion, so then you can kind of get to the core component part. Now, People are anxious about a variety of things. You can think of how confident a narcissist is. They're, they're prone to anxiety because they're so afraid of total pulling the curtain and realizing that there's nothing there. And they're completely vapid from a personality perspective. Uh, borderline personality is a high level of anxiety. Uh, bipolar disorder has a high level of anxiety. But I, I, I important part I'm trying to get across is this: none of us are immune to this. And it could ebb and flow, and it can even get to a point where you can have something called agoraphobia, which is a a crippling form of anxiety where you may not, a person may not even leave the house for years because of some perceived fear. Now, is the complete absence of anxiety good? No. If you go back to the episode on stress and anxiety, it's one of the first ones I did. Anxiety is a part of our. Survival mechanism linked to the sympathetic nervous system. That's like that's the nervous system that sympathizes with the body when it perceives us in in a state of uh, terror or fear or perceived harm. So the complete absence of anxiety is not ideal because then we could find ourselves putting us in situations that um, we could potential for negative consequences so in 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 managing anxiety um one it's important for everyone to understand that it is treatable and as i've said before the work in therapy does not take place in the office it takes place in between sessions and often with anxiety a technique that i like using is something called in vivo exposure therapy so what that is, is essentially, which kind of sounds paradoxical, you're anxious about this situation, is putting the person in the situation. That's, that's, that's the ultimate goal, and being able to develop distress tolerance and, and challenge the irrational beliefs, because you, uh, you and I hear this term all the time, I have intrusive thoughts, and it's this, this negative recording. And it, it, it becomes some, a little bit more complicated, Uh, Still treatable when somebody has actually had um, an event that they've either experienced themselves or vicariously experienced. Um, So, you know, back to the work of Albert Bender and social learning theory that I don't necessarily have to uh, have the experience happen to me. I could watch it happen to somebody else and still develop a similar reaction. So, um, example like treating like uh, like a social anxiety. Um, I my office is above a, a classic bakery in in Duxbury, so uh, fortunately I don't have a sweet tooth. Uh, but I've done this with with adolescents. Who who will say I, I I I can't go out in public. I I I, I can't even order coffee at McDonald's. I can't and again can't people can't fly. And vocabulary is a huge part of therapy. And and it's restructuring that you're choosing not to. It's not that you can't go in the situation, you're choosing not to go in the situation. And that's an important part of therapeutically that you're you are one empowering an individual, but at the same time, placing a level of responsibility that if you want to overcome this, you can't always regress back to, oh, I, I, I can't, it's too hard. Well, then again, the precursor for change, only one reason, not uncomfortable enough. So I've done this with adolescents where, who have a high degree of social anxieties. I'm with them. I'll take them downstairs, have them stand in line and order a nice tea and i'm with them the entire time and it's it's very transformative because we'll go back up to the office and all of a sudden it's like if you look at what are called um, outliers a great book by malcolm gladwell um, outliers are like you got this whole constellation of all people all do the same thing, but yet this one person doesn't fit in. Those are the people that I'm fascinated with. But outliers we'll talk about at a different time. So then I'll bring the adolescent back upstairs, and we're able to have a dialogue of, look, you know, what were you thinking? What were the sensations? But the whole the whole point is you were able to do something that in your terminology and vernacular said that you were unable to do. So you have to, from a therapeutic perspective, the goal is to find the flaw in the logic. It's to find the flaw in the thought process, so the person can say, "Well, I can't really say that because I, I actually did stand in line and buy an iced tea." So now I got to look at why am I not able to do it in other situations. So I'm just using one example, but I think exposure therapy is, is a great way of treating anxiety. But prior to what I said before is being able to break that anxiety down because with anxiety, the, 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 as we look at it as a, um, on a continuum, the end result of the anxiety is the perceived fear. Okay. Um, public speaking most, that's one of the most common fears people have. Um, Obviously, uh, it's not something I struggle with, but um, it's it's, it's a very common fear because anxiety has a lot to do with our sense of self. It has a lot to do with our sense of self-worth. And there's a lot of anxiety, especially in a Western society where we're constantly comparing people. And I can't tell you how many people, one of the questions I asked during my structured diagnostic clinical interview, any problems related to the Internet, social media, how many people, uh, children, adolescents, adults, have a tremendous amount of anxiety because they're, they're doing a lot of social comparison. And, you know, there's the assumption, well, if it's on the Internet, it must be true. And I tell people, people only post what you want them to see the idyllic picture of what their life is and then people internalize it and they look like oh my god i'm not going to this college uh, i'm not going to be as good or look you know this family the, but they bought uh, so-and-so a car for their graduation um my best friend or somebody i knew i went to college with is is getting married a, a lot of environmental things contribute to the manifestation of anxiety. Now can it get to the point where it's it's crippling? Yes, absolutely. And you know, you get into something, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. I'll give you a quick explanation of, of OCD. Obsessions are ruminative ideations. So think of being stuck in an elevator with the music going and it's like the needle is stuck and you're just going over and over and over and over. Compulsions are the compensatory behaviors an individual engages in to alleviate the anxiety associated with the obsession. So let's take the classic example of the hand washer. My hands are dirty. 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 dirty. The only way to alleviate that anxiety is the compulsive behavior of washing the hands. Now, can it get to the point where... It, it it you know when you get into the diagnostic piece, you're seeing skin that is chafed. You're seeing you know um, you know it's, it's pretty serious. There's physical manifestations of it. Um, but with every every psychiatric disorder, there's a qualifier that the, the symptoms have to cause social, emotional, occupational, and or academic impairment. So if you have quirks and you do things, it doesn't mean you have OCD. But if you're late for work or you're uh, failing to um, keep up with obligations or things that you need to do and it's you know those behaviors are impacting your life, I would definitely encourage you to get into cognitive behavioral therapy because it, it o c d is very treatable but it can result in a lot of uh negative consequences so this this whole spectrum of of anxiety is uh Again, I'm trying to normalize it in, in the sense that it comes to us all. And if you haven't listened to the stress and anxiety episode, that's the one where I'm talking about this is what's going on, on inside your body and how the different neurotransmitters are connecting with each other and what's being released and what's being inhibited. Uh, so, yes, is there a physical component for, for some people with anxiety? Yes. Um, the heart palpitations, uh, sweating uh, rapid breathing, uh, sleep dysregulation. So, you know, a lot of people will say I have intrusive thoughts at night, but again, it's always being able to break it down into the more specific you can make it. Vague goals lead to vague results. And even though it's called generalized anxiety disorder, if you are able to work with your, your individual clinician on, on breaking it down, it one to becomes a little bit more manageable and say, like, okay, I realize. Okay, I'm anxious about this because nothing can change without awareness. And, and, and as I've said, I, I've just because uh, my, my my wonderful colleagues are just completely full. of Mental health, at least in the United States, is is uh, you can't get an appointment anywhere. Um, I, I'm you know trying my best to get as many people in as, and I've taken on a therapy caseload. Um, and one of the things I always will will say to people is the first become aware. So we sit with anxiety, become aware of what you're anxious about. Again, there is no such thing as the unconscious. Just completely Freud was wrong. There's no such thing as the unconscious. Some things are more automatic and we operate with, with schemas, and automatic thoughts. This is this working with anxiety. It's slowing the thought process down to become more mindful. And if you want to learn more about mindfulness, maybe I'll do an episode on that. The work of John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, the definition of mindfulness is awareness without judgment. It's simply starting to just notice when I'm becoming more when I'm entering into an anxious state. Don't and I tell patients don't worry about. Implementing any kind of coping mechanism, any kind of intervention. Don't worry about overcoming it because – and I think that from a cognitive behavioral perspective, that, that, that's very helpful because you're not holding a patient accountable to, like, do all these things at once. It, it's systematic. So the first part is the awareness, Become aware when you're anxious and then draw your cognitions into what is going on in the environment. What has just happened uh, or what do you think is going to happen? So that's a very important therapeutic technique is, okay, X always causes Y. So we know what the Y is. That's the anxiety. And, you know, the testing is able to delineate, you know, what are those, how the anxiety manifests idiosyncratic to a specific person but i think we all kind of you know can generalize what our own individual types of anxiety are whether it's it's more psychological whether it's physiological or, or a combination of the two so you help helping a patient become more aware when i start to feel anxious what was happening right before then and what you typically find is you're going to start to find patterns, uh, certain situations, certain people, certain types of people, certain tones of voice. Uh, it, again, this is it, it, it. I again, from in my work with uh, patients with anxiety, I found that it, it really helps when you're able to break it down and helping people to really kind of grasp the understanding is that you can control the anxiety. And not allow the anxiety to control you. Because most people who are very anxious are completely, don't espouse that or even aware of that. And, you know, it, it's not, they're not expected to. I mean, if, but if you're in treatment, anxiety, one, is treatable from a therapeutic perspective. Is it manageable? Absolutely. Is it curable? Absolutely. It Does it take work? Yes. Is it going to be scary? Yes. Is 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 your anxiety going to increase? But probably. But if you do it in a systematic way, and the first thing, again, is the awareness. Become aware of what you are anxious about. That's the first part. And then you work therapeutically in stepping in with um other interventions because most of us are anxious about certain things and we're skill deficient. And that's just a matter of working with somebody, and uh, I'll do a lot of role play, you know, in in, you know a therapy, you know, a therapeutic environment. uh, I try to create the most safe, laid back um, environment that I can, and so you can do in vivo role play where someone's like, "Uh, I'm really anxious about asking a girl out or you can you can role play that and or you know a variety of things and that's a great therapeutic technique in you know how do i have this conversation with my father or how do i have this conversation with my husband or how do you know what again this is such a broad topic i mean and again it, it, it's it 's idiosyncratic to each of us what what makes us anxious but the 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 therapeutic environment I think is a great place one to again deconstruct the anxiety to make it more specific, and two practicing with your individual clinician on developing the skill set and uh being aware of the bodily sensations and not and again. Back to the irrational beliefs of, you know, catastrophizing, dichotomous thinking, uh, generalization. A lot of this stuff happens with, with in the anxiety disorders. Our, our beliefs are very irrational. But again, like I said, it gets a little trickier if somebody is anxious about something and they've had that experience happen to them or they've, they've you know, uh, vicariously experienced it because then there's a basis of reality. So, you know, somebody says, you know, I... I, I I did a speech in, in, you know, class and um, everybody laughed, you know, I felt so embarrassed and now I have to take, you know, next semester I have to take you know, they're, say they're like majoring in communications, but they had this experience and now the next class they have to give uh, a presentation. So you can't argue that, they have a modicum of anxiety because they've, they've actually experienced uh, something negative in terms of performing that, that, that certain skill or, or, or requirement or ability. Um, so that's a little trickier to work with because you it's, the belief isn't necessarily irrational, but you can kind of challenge them on how do you know it's going to happen again? Then you're talking about thought forecasting, another rational belief. Um, Again, treatable, workable, manageable. Um, Do medications help? Yeah, they do. You know, low doses of antidepressants treat anxiety. Uh, Higher doses uh, treat depression. But they do not take away the individualized experiences, uh, the people, the... You know, I I, I hate this word. I absolutely hate this word, but this... the triggers the people use this all the time you know the, 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 I, this triggers me okay that's good because that that's a useful technique in terms of that's the x you know the, the trigger is what leads to the y which is the you know the individualized manifestation of anxiety in a, in a specific person so you know the the research has consistently shown cognitive behavioral therapy, psychotropic medications are the most effective in the treatment of the vast majority of psychiatric conditions. Uh, very effective in treating the anxiety and depressive disorders. But again, it you can overcome your anxiety and 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 take away the power. You have the control, and that's the beauty of the human experience: is how much. Power we actually have. I think when we're mired down by certain situations, uh, negative things have happened to us. Negative things have come to us, or we're anxious about things happening to us. The human condition and the human spirit is amazingly resilient. Turn to spirituality. Turn to music. Turn to the arts. I mean, we have so much at our disposal, but uh, and and access to things that um, you know, guided meditation. The work of Deepak Chopra, research shows twenty minutes a day, uh, incredibly effective. Just YouTube it. I've done it with uh, with Julie, and one of the few times my mind, she said, "I think your mind actually was quiet for once." Um, but you know, music is great. Uh, therapy, uh, get massages, exercise. There's a lot of things you can do because uh, distraction is not is is not an ineffective tool avoidance is more problematic because you you're just avoiding the inevitable of not wanting to deal with it but distraction is a great technique sometimes you know the classic example put a rubber band on your on your wrist and every time a, an, an intrusive thought or anxious thought comes to mind snap the rubber band works for some people doesn't work for every everybody a lot of different techniques a lot of holistic interventions um you know and Julie's mentioned you know several of those on uh, different episodes so it, it it's really a yeah, treating anxiety there's it, it there's so many different component parts and different options you have it in the therapeutic process you know with I, and again i'm I'm coming from a cognitive behavior perspective, but I certainly incorporate a lot of other things um the mind is a fascinating thing. But the human condition is, is powerful, and I just want to instill a sense of hope that you can overcome this. You can overcome – you guys can overcome anything, you know, but it's working collaboratively with uh, your clinician. And, and something I, I want to bring up, it, 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 talk to your clinicians. If you feel that you, you know, you, there are things you want to talk about that you're not talking about, you have every right to bring those things up. It's it, it's a mutual relationship. Uh, the, the, the metaphor I use if when I, if I see somebody for therapy is I'm like a GPS. You give me the end destination. What what is that supposed to look like? Like a GPS it will recalculate. So if this technique is working or this intervention is a working. We, we will recalculate, but I will help you get to your destination every step of the way, but I cannot, and I will not drive the car, but I will always be in the car with you. That's the metaphor I use in, in, in prefacing how I do um, psychotherapy. So a very broad topic, uh, but a universal experience and, uh, you know, for me, when I'm anxious, I, I listen to Bruce Springsteen um, or I play the guitar. Um, again, I mean, it, it, it comes it comes to all of us. But but distraction is a great technique and intervention. But awareness, I'm just encouraging you to become more aware before you become anxious. Look for the X's. Those are the things, and those are the things that are going to lead to the patterns and the foundation and the groundwork. Because you already know what the end result is. You know what the why is. That's easy. That's the anxiety. But it's treatable. Manageable, it's curable. Does it take work? Yes. Will it cause some anxiety and distress as you go along? That's what's called distress tolerance. Yes. But the resolve of the human condition is amazing. And I have seen it in the patients I've worked with over the years. I've had the privilege to work with. The amount of effort that they have put in leads to those results. And and I'm talking across a wide spectrum of disorders. And I said this before, and I've talked to several people this week. Yes. Is borderline personality curable? Yes. Yes, it is treatable. It is curable. Is schizophrenia curable? No. Is it treatable? Yes. So, again, these nebulous conditions and a huge reason doing the podcast is just to provide as much education as as one professional. Um, and, and uh, again, love doing this every week. Uh, glad we're reaching as big of an audience as we have. It, it, but, again, this is a very humbling and experience and I'm very privileged to do this and hope you guys are benefiting from it and until next time take care of yourselves take care of each other be well and I will talk to you then bye guys